Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm just going to work on my passion. And uh, turns out my passion involves a lot of watching movies and smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between hanging out with funny people and actual comedians. That's a different thing than hanging out with somebody who is like professionally funny. Was the break more about burnout or was there finances involved as well? Because it seemed like those music videos must have cost a fortune to make and they would have a hard time recouping those costs. It's great to be in touch with your fans, but you're also in touch with the scum of the earth. <laughs> and I just got sick of those people. I couldn't see an end to it, you know? It was like, what? what is going to end this other than me just saying I'm done? I mean, there could be other, like, sort of disastrous things that could happen, but why wait around for those? Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Means Something. It is TCU night, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, and we are live on Discord, as always, with our beautiful, beautiful patrons, the Baby Gang, the Dumpster Crew, the Infantry, the $2 Tots. We recently had a $2 Tot upgrade to Dumpster Crew and then get one of our amazingly soft t-shirts, which we still have available. So the discount. Yeah, patrons with, get a discount, uh, and by bumping up, we saved a few bucks. I was impressed with with uh, you know the double action on that one. That was awesome. It's the kind yeah. of thing that I would have been happy to do myself. Would have fist pumped alone at the computer if, after I did it. I know, I know. Uh, I didn't introduce you yet, Matt. With me as always is Matthew Tabor. <laughs> and if you don't know about Matt's like frugality, if that's a word, <laughs> then I think someday. Then first of all, you're not in the baby gang. Uh, because they know all about the frugality. And secondly, you know, p- perhaps someday we'll have an entire episode dedicated to your, your wheeling and dealing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. So today I made sure the baby gang saw uh, five pounds of gummy pumpkins for $8. What a remarkable value What that is a was. gummy pumpkin? Just a gummy bear shaped like a pumpkin? Yeah, yeah I guess nobody buys them after Halloween. So uh, the company is offloading them. $1.60 a pound is pretty pretty solid on that. So, uh, five pounds of gummy, gummy items will last you a long time and destroy your gastrointestinal system. Like nothing else. It will just blast (laughs) through your entire body cavity (laughs) until nothing is left. But, uh, 
what yeah. we do once well, we, I help you save a few dollars on them, I'm not responsible to anything <laughs> that happens after. You walk away from the transaction. Yeah. Uh, uh, you could at least offer up a toilet paper deal to help them out on the, <laughs> on the back Counterbalance end. Counterbalance it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but uh, most importantly, more importantly, we have a guest who I have been really hoping to get on the Create Unknown since day one, since season one, since the first batch of eight episodes that we did of this show and it's finally happened today's the day it's 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 happening we're here it's happening right now so without further ado uh why don't you tell us matt a little bit about our guest yeah we've got mark douglas and mark is a sort of youtube davy crockett he's one of those men who has a mythical professional life that encompasses a few very different chapters uh, and while we hope that Mark is decades away from his Alamo, uh, whereas Crockett ended up in politics later on, Mark Douglas started there, but just barely. 14 years ago, Barely Political released its first video, and it was a banger. The 2007 Crush on Obama music video dominated the discussion of political campaigning and new media influence in the early 21st century, and its only real rival in media history is Lyndon Johnson's 1964 Daisy Girl ad, which was as remarkable for television then as the Obama Girl ad was for YouTube. Uh, Mark met Obama, collabed with Weezer and the Muppets, as he helmed one of the world's largest YouTube channels in the early 2010s. He probably could have stopped there, but both Kevin and I are glad that he didn't. Without Barely Political, there wouldn't be a Vsauce. Uh, Michael Stevens got his start being hired as one of their editors. Barely Political expanded uh, its productions into recurring sketch comedy formats like Superheroes in Therapy, Kristen Stewart attempting to explain things, and a whole lot of puppets. But then Mark moved away from political comedy into song parodies with The Key of Awesome, uh, and he reinvented the channel along the way. He wrote and performed songs parodying artists like Kesha, Sai, and Eminem, and these videos got literally hundreds of millions of views. The channel pulled in over 3 billion overall. And despite that, by 2018, a complex confluence of factors, some legal, some financial, some personal, made Key of Awesome just not sustainable anymore. So Mark released a song that announced he was taking a break. Mark, we want to start by asking you, since it's been about four years since that last video, how, how's the break going? Pretty good. I it's man, I'm shocked. Fourteen? Did you say fourteen years ago was uh, crush yeah. on Obama? Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. I, I'm getting older, so time goes by really fast. But um, yeah, the break's been okay. I mean, uh, you know, COVID hasn't been fun. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's funny. I know it. it yeah, like uh, it's been okay. I mean, I think. You know, when you get to a point where you really just do need a break, it's just kind of like it, it just kind of has to happen, you know, and um, I think I spent a, like a the first year just kind of confused and uh, and I, I had been, you know, working so hard uh, that like towards the end, I really was like not getting any sleep. Um, and so it was sort of. I I just I just kind of needed to sort of take the well what well basically where I'm heading with this is like I had like neglected like my health like I hadn't been to the doctor in forever I hadn't been to the dentist in forever so like the first year was just me trying like 
sort of getting organized again because everything had just kind of gone. Like I was trying to keep the channel running while also doing a um, uh, a series, trying to keep content going and then trying to do a series for YouTube, which um, why, why am I blanking a YouTube original? which was based mm. on one of my videos, Reggae Shark. So I had like an animation team in one part of Brooklyn and then my office in another part of Brooklyn. And I remember like getting in Ubers and falling asleep in the Uber on the way to like either office. So I really I just was not uh, managing my time well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think I think I just slept for about a year. But then, you know, then I've been I've been getting some writing work here and there and uh you know, just just basically chilling. But I, I, it's, you know, right around when I was like, all right, I'm doing stand up. I'm going to get out there again and really gearing up to like, OK, you can't fuck around anymore, Mark. You got to get back out there. Uh, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So just kind of I don't know, just kind of, you know, Matthew McConaughey in it. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> been working on it. I've been working on an album that's kind of like uh, I don't know if this is too much of an old man reference, but remember when, Axl Rose had his Chinese democracy that he was working on that mm -hmm. forever yeah, and ever. Saga. Ever. Yeah. So every I've year got, was like, this is the year Chinese democracy comes out. Yeah. And then it wasn't. So, so I've got about like 12 songs that I've just been writing and rewriting and fucking with that. I'm just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to like, sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, this is just a giant mess. But it's funny what happens when you get rid of that deadline, you know, that all important deadline that that kind of gets me moving. I don't know about you guys, but but um, mm -hmm. well, you know, kind of what what I um, my sort of uh, I don't know, M.O. or my sort of working um, mantra was like, get yourself into a jam. And this was something that I was doing already. But then I heard Stephen Colbert kind of uh, name it. He said, you know, advice for for young comedians said, you know, book book a theater for a show that you haven't written yet, for instance, right. um, <laughs> you know, like three months away or a month away, whatever. And that's what I would do. Like when I was in a comedy duo, we would do that. We would say, we're, all right, we're going to do a show every month. We don't know what it is, but we would just have that pressure. And sometimes the whole thing would get written the week of, you know, and sometimes it'd be a disaster. But we after a while, we just had all this material from that process. And that's kind of the same thing that YouTube was for me, just kind of like, well, we're promising a video every week. Sometimes uh, there was one point where we were doing like three videos a week, which I don't know how the hell we did that. But um, some of them were <laughs> not of great quality, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, trying trying to make things actually funny, actually have some kind of production value on YouTube. Uh, things that were up to my own standards ended up being, you know, pretty taxing on the old system <laughs> after, after so many years. But, um, yeah. yeah after a billion a videos. long rambly answer. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of videos. If you go on the channel right now, you just scroll for days yeah. at the amount of content. Do, do you think that perhaps first of all, is the album a comedy album? And then second, second of all, uh, where's the artificial date to release it so that you force yourself to finish it? Well, that's yeah, that's that's what I need to do here. I need to like declare that the album is coming out. But see, the thing is, is that process of getting myself into a jam like really got me into a jam after a while. Mm -hmm. So I'm like scared to go back to it. You know, um, I need to like figure out a better process for working. And and uh, 
It's almost like it just sort of took all the air out when I when I sort of was like, all right, I'm just going to work on my passion, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out my passion involves a lot of watching movies and smoking weed, but. um there really does need to be some some outside pressure you know some outside force that that makes me actually finish things um one day one day i'll figure out how to do it without that what's that do you think you would respond well to a threat like if kevin assigned a deadline to you it's october Mm -hmm. or november now so what if he was like if you don't have this album ready by January 1st of 2022, I'm personally going to come and stab you. Uh, <laughs> what if he committed to a sufficiently dangerous violence. threat? Yes. Well, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably, you know, be motivated by that. But then like around December 2023rd or so, I'd be like, well, where are you going to stab me? Like, <laughs> right. Like, There's is a it going to be like, area. Yeah. like, can you just get a fleshy part? Right. <laughs> it's not, uh, but I think that would probably be like, I would say maybe you could threaten me right now with like demos for all the songs, maybe <laughs> like that finished seems, demos. Seems fair. That, that I could, I could, I could probably pull that together. Yeah. But um, the problem with a thing I noticed about with comedy is like, so say you have a shoot on, you know, Friday and everything's ready to go and you're, you're, you're done, you know, but, but like you're going to keep coming up with shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're going to keep wanting to replace things. I mean, especially if it's if it's the kind of nice thing about music is that it was locked in, you know, but um, but at times I would I would go in and like record a quick like demo of a new line and say, all right, lip sync to that. So like a lot of times if you look in like the, the behind the scenes videos of our old, old videos, like and you hear the playback, it's my voice, you know, just kind of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the actors lip syncing to that. And then when we would get the good singer in, they would basically ADR to the take. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I'd have really, really shitty demos to work with. And people would be listening to terrible demos of me kind of singing late at night, whispering to not wake up my wife in the other room. But um, but anyway, as a return from Tangent City. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's probably I don't know if it's the age or the weed, but I totally forgot what I was saying. <laughs> well, I was going to say, as far as like you always coming up with ideas is, is like I've seen you do that on the spot. Like that has is one of your comedic oh. super superpowers is being able to always, always do that. So, I mean, at some point you have to just kind of create that deadline and say like, all right, these are the jokes for this yeah. thing. And then. I'm going to move on to the next thing because I know how you work. I've seen it. You're always coming up with something funny. <laughs> it's like an endless wellspring. I told I think I told you, Matt, years ago, uh, the first time that 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 Mark, you and I hung out. I think I I think I remember out. telling you, Matt. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I think I remember telling Matt like, oh, there's a difference between hanging out with like funny people and like funny friends and actual comedians mm. like there there's yeah. levels to this that you don't really know like you can have the funniest friend who just cracks you up all the time that's a different thing than hanging out with somebody who is like professionally funny uh well sometimes it, the professionally <laughs> professionally funny people aren't that funny in person actually like sometimes it goes so far 
that they're just like kind of quiet. Can you but, can you throw anybody under the bus who's not funny, Mark? Uh, who's in real not life, funny. Who's not funny? Well, I don't know. A lot of people. I, I've just met people who write for like TV that are you know their work is really funny, but they're not like. Thin, Perf- they're performers. not ready to perform yeah they're not yeah. like ready to that get seems wacky like a different talent for sure yeah but they're definitely really funny on the page but they just don't have that like silly hey everybody look at me kind of gene mm. um, <laughs> yeah. which that was kind of the thing with me where i started to like i always had that to a certain degree the sort of hey everybody look look at what i'm doing and i think after a while that started to kind of fade like I think I had proven myself. It's like once you've like written like hundreds of sketches and and hundreds of so- hundreds of funny songs and stuff. You're kind of like okay, I, I think I think I'm funny. <laughs> like there's evidence out there. I, mean, I don't have to be as much. Like when I wasn't doing comedy, when I was just like or aspiring to do comedy, um, and I was just like the funny guy at work. I was probably really funny back then. You know what I mean? Because it was just all coming out. I didn't have any where else to put it so i would just annoy people i was working with and my whoever i was working for but then like once once you have a a a place to put it all you become a little bit more chill just in everyday life but um but yeah i mean i I, it was it was real really fun like when kind of the i don't know there was like a mid section a mid period of of uh when we started doing the key of awesome and I had Brian and Todd in there almost every day. And like, I would just come to work and laugh every day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just kind of came about like prob all of it became what you were talking about earlier. It's just all about problem solving, you know? And some of that comes from improv training and some of it just comes from, I don't know. I always felt like I had, I had a lot of ideas, you know, like I, I was bad at editing, <laughs> Like I was bad at a lot of a lot of things that that YouTubers are good at, but I never seemed to come. I never seemed to like run out of ideas, and um, so I and I and I sort of felt very confident about that skill. So I mean, so that's and then kind of doing it every day. You're just always kind of warmed up. You're always you're always trying to fix things and um, mm-hmm. fix things on set, fix things in the edit. Um, you know, it was almost kind of like uh, a point of pride when something would get really fucked up, like a like an actor's performance just wasn't there and we were able to fix it in editing. And then somebody was like, that guy was really funny. <laughs> and like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> but you just you're constantly solving. You're, you're constantly trying to, like, make something up to snuff to put on your channel, you know. Mm-hmm. So so it was kind of like it was very rare that we didn't at least kind of get it up to the minimum sort of requirements. Um, and that, that, that was all really fun trying to, trying to do that every week. How do you think that YouTube has changed over the years when it comes to comedy? Because when I look at what things were like and what was popular, I mean, it's like this with anything, but yeah, to me, I've said several times on this podcast that the internet has itself has gotten so funny that, comedy is almost not necessary anymore not the way that it used to be like it's it just isn't and i think that's a lot of the uh reasons why you've seen um you know like the late night shows become more like politically focused to give themselves kind of like an angle because like the comedy stuff 
isn't enough anymore. And, and, and it's, it's not that way with anything. I feel like, like, like the, the, when po- barely political was, was crushing it. College humor was crushing it. Mm-hmm. Funny, funny or die, like landed on the scene with a huge splash with like the landlord and <laughs> that whole thing with Pearl. It's just so funny. Oh yeah. yeah and it, yeah. it seems like over the years to me, uh, people don't need like carefully constructed and produced comedy anymore because there's just an They'll endless They'll just kind of find it on subreddits and shit. <laughs> subreddits, TikTok, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, whatever yeah, memes Twitter feed and is just accounts. All stuff that makes me laugh. God, yeah. there's an account that, that my wife sent me called um, We Memes. And it's just video after video that's essentially like a Vine compilation of people getting injured or like falling or things, you know, uh, going awry. And then it's the same song that plays where it goes like, yeah, I think that sounds familiar. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's like the lowest effort thing almost imaginable, but it's hysterical. So it's like, where does putting a thousand hours into a sketch fit anymore? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I think a lot of it just has to come from within. You know, <laughs> you you just really have to want to put that shit into the world. I think. Um, I mean, there certainly was motivation to do certain types of content. You know, I certainly wouldn't have done. I mean, the song parodies after a while started to get kind of annoying because it's just it, it was like the tail was kind of starting to wag the dog a little bit too much and. You know, I might have done one parody of of One Direction if I just was, you know, based based on just pure inspiration, like, hey, let's make fun of those guys. Uh, I probably wouldn't have done like four or however many we did. But you're like, well, that other one did well. But then you're sort of like, okay, what else do I have to say about this boy band? And and after like the fourth (laughs) one, it's like, you know, this this guy this 40 year old man really has a problem with this boy band <laughs> like <laughs> you know like wow this guy so, hates this boy band. so and you're like no i don't really i just i'm so then you're sort of drafting off of their success that's that's when that's when i when i felt like i was really drafting off of other people's success to make my thing i didn't like that feeling you know that's interesting no i, I hadn't considered that like i wanted to do things that were just sort of more original or you know, you just you make enough song parodies and you're kind of like picking on whatever you can sort of do. And and the way that we did it was considered fair use. So in order for it to be, I mean, I haven't talked about this in a while, so I might not be the authority anymore on it. But uh, the way that you, you do fair use parody is that you have to definitely comment on the artist. So like something like Eat It is not fair use. That's repurposing. Hmm. Um but if you're actually, but something more like the 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 one that uh, Weird Al did with um, uh, smells like Nirvana, that was a little more fair use because he was talking about Nirvana and not not taking the Nirvana's music and putting it to something else. Um, right. So all roads kind of lead back to Nirvana. He's he's acknowledging that. Um, but I don't know. I think um, so. So we kind of had to do it like that. And so you're you're almost like forced to sort of shit on people <laughs> by just like I'm trying to be fair use. I'm commenting on the song. What am I going to say? It's awesome. That's not funny. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> but after a while, you know, and I would try to do more original songs and pepper those in. And I started to realize how fucking hard it is to start from scratch. You know, I'd kind of forgotten how hard it is to start from scratch with no melody, no chords, no nothing. And I started to be like, well, you know, I, I do have some respect for these these artists. You know, I don't want to. And then I would start seeing other people kind of doing a key of awesome type of thing. And they would just like really shit on the artists. And I was like, well, that's not even true or fair. You know, like I always tried to make my criticisms things that that were fair. You know, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. But like, think, you know, just just try to make sure you, you're uh, I don't know. Has anybody ever like ragged on you or done an impression of you and it's just not very good and you sort of feel like wow you didn't even put enough effort in to to, i don't know that was a very lazy impression of me but when somebody really gets you you think it's funny because they spent some time on on you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how i would try to be with it with anything we did um but after a while, I started looking around and the internet was just sort of littered with people commenting on other people's shit and picking other people's shit apart. And it's still kind of like that. Um, and I just didn't want to be that guy anymore, really. Even though I was doing more than just picking it apart, I was trying to like make my own piece of art out of it. It sort of started to feel like, uh, I don't know, I started to sort of feel like a hater, I guess, or in that category <laughs> at the very least. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm not answering your question. Um, yeah, I mean, comedy, just comedy on YouTube, comedy on the internet. It's yeah, you're sort of getting it from all different places. I don't know that you, you necessarily go to like one trusted source for your comedy anymore. Cause it just sort of like, you'll just be on TikTok, And then next thing you know, you're just laughing your ass off from some random thing. But some, some, uh, I forget who did this, uh, a comedian friend of mine just tweeted, "My favorite, co- my favorite comedian is memes." Like, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of right. how it is now." That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I laugh that's at exactly, I laugh yeah. at cats on the internet probably just as much as I ever laughed at Steve Martin or Eddie Murphy. You know, same <laughs> same level decentralized, but it takes a lot of cats. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of yeah. a lot of cat aggregation to equal one Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, you can still that's you can like, still get all those things that's just scale you know? to see how funny you are how many cat videos are you funny <laughs> like how many if, if somebody had to make a straight up trade yeah they would exactly. forego like, x number of cat videos like to see how many one hour of comedy exactly like uh how many funny cats does it take to replace hannah gatsby uh, maybe one <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. I'm just saying for me, for my taste, I don't need, I don't, I don't think he's funny, but like, I was just trying to dividing up cats, like getting fractions of cats in my head and what they'd look like when you had like 15% of a cat. Look, I'm trying to stay on brand with Vsauce here and (laughs) how many cats? (laughs) Um, Well, I got a real quick question about the difference between sitting down and writing what you want to write, whether it's a joke or a song mm-hmm. uh, versus having to be responsive to topical things, because a lot of people make a really good living out of that. I mean, anybody who writes for a, a late night show, uh, they don't really know what's going to, you know, wh- which jokes are going to be in the monologue until right. they wake up the day of it. Right. And they, they probably rarely get to 
get to do that and they must thrive in having that opposite. What's the difference between the type of funny person who uh, is comfortable doing the reactive stuff versus the ones who really want to do their own, you know, original stuff? Well, I mean, I think when it comes to like just comedy in general, I think you're always going to have a little bit of that responsiveness. I mean, even SNL will have it's like they it's like they dedicate a certain amount of time to original characters, but ultimately they still have to do the news and they still have to like be current, you know. So I think you're never really going to get away from that completely, especially if you have an ongoing show of any kind. Um, but I think I I don't know. I think it's it's a nice if I always felt like I kind of needed to be doing both for them to, to for either one to be good in a way, because it was like generally I'd be working on two things at a time. Like I'd usually have two. whether I was working on a if I like would have a sketch and a song. I'd be bouncing back and forth between those all week if it was like a writing week. It's like when one feels kind of still, you go to the other. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I think it's I mean, I wish I could just do evergreen stuff because, you know, then you can you know go out and keep playing it. But then, you know, sometimes when we would do live shows, you know, you'd be like, oh, man, this was this was all about last year. You know, this was all about. You know, I'd want to do this like Adele parody that was like really popular, but it, it was all kind of like time stamped to last year. So um, I don't know. I think I don't know. I think it all comes from the same place. I don't think anybody I don't think there's anybody who can't do one. I, I mean, actually, I kind of as I've been saying, I kind of think that I'm better at the uh, responsive stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I need it's like I have a hard time choosing like what's what's really important uh that i have to like get out you know what's what's the thing that i really need to talk about um and also you know you cultivate an audience and after a while it's like like one of the song i was working on a song today that i just think is funny and it it's like a motorhead sound alike um about old ladies playing bingo and that just <laughs> i don't know it just it made me laugh you know because you <laughs> So, um, cause it gets pretty, I used to go to bingo with my grandmother. It can get a little competitive there. Um, and it just thought it'd be funny to see old ladies playing bingo to like a motorhead song. Um, but I, I, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily want to put that on the channel for, you know, the, the people that just, that want more, you know, one direction parodies or Kesha parodies or whatever, cause it would just sort of be lost on them. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Most of the things, most of the things that I just kind of wanted to do, I knew would not get any views <laughs> or or just a fraction of of it, you know. So when yeah. I would occasionally do something that that was just an original idea that would sort of go viral, that was and and it would be helped by having those other, you know, being couched within all those huge parodies. But um I we did a thing called Reggae Shark, which is an animated thing. And I was really proud of that just because it was like an original idea and it was hitting kind of the same numbers as some of the parodies. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. drafting off of anybody else's successful thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know. I think you kind of have to have a balance. I mean, everybody's always you kind of have to be relevant, right? So, well, you mentioned the fair use stuff earlier. What were some of the weirdest cases that you 
got threatened legally over because the the only one I remember was there was there was one video where I don't even think it was a song parody. I think it was one of your sketches, and somebody hummed "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. Oh right, and, yeah, and they threatened to sue you over that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got like a thing. It was like the lawyers of Steve Perry, Tom Scholes. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> is that Journey? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to trying to remember what happened with that, and I remember like. I think Michael Stevens was was in the room when we were talking about it and and he was like, oh, yes, because clearly this person humming it is going to replace buying the album. Like, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, that's, that's a point people never bring up. It's like um, and I think I think some of the old. Uh, yeah, because the younger artists were, were didn't give a shit, you know, newer artists for the most part didn't give a shit. Whether or not their record company gave a shit is another thing. But older artists like Journey uh, just, you know, would go on YouTube and see people using any piece of their thing and just be like, fuck this. <laughs> you know, this is we get we're used to getting paid for our music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? What, you know, what are they thinking? But yeah, I think I remember that one. Um, what else happened? There was I mean, I think I just got pretty good at, at uh, figuring it out. But I had a lawyer to sort of. Uh, most of what happened was I was constantly like sending versions of of things to a lawyer and having them having to argue with them first. But once I'd go oh. through that process, but it, it's funny too because you would think, okay, I've this is the most fair use thing I've ever written, and then you'd send it to them, and they'd be like, no, and you're like, why? <laughs> and then once, and sometimes by the time you're you're done, kind of making all those fixes, it's not funny anymore. So. Oh, I get. yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was and, one of my questions. Is well, it, going, it seems like kind of a, a comedic mood killer to have to have anybody approve uh, approve the thing that you've made. It, like, it, it makes me think of uh, um, all sorts of artists having to submit things to, to Soviet censors uh, and <laughs> right. then deal with... Uh, what's left when it comes out, and maybe it's uh, a couple little tweaks, and maybe it's substantially changed to the point where you hate this thing. Right. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach; you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip; you ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new; you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, I mean, I think, you know, kind of going back to what Kevin was saying before about the difference between being regular funny and professionally funny, being professionally funny is like, yeah, but can you still be funny under these circumstances? Can you still somehow eke out something funny with all this pressure? With all these people breathing down your neck with with legal uh you know um restrictions 
do you have enough ideas that you can, you know, fix the problem, but still have it be as funny as, you know, what you originally thought? And usually it wouldn't be as funny as the thing that you really wanted to do. But if it turned out pretty funny, then you've you've kind of done your job as like a, a comedian, I guess, or a, a professional comedy writer. So I always kind of liked those challenges in a way because it was like, I could still be fucking funny with, with these restrictions. You know, fuck you. Um, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just, you know, sometimes you just you just try to like, you know, you have a curse word in there and and you really just try to get it out of there because it feels like a cheat somehow. I don't know. A lot a lot of it. I don't know. I think when people watch a TV show that's not funny and they're like, I'm funnier than that shit. It's like they have no idea all the hoops those people had to jump through to make something that, you know, even made sense. <laughs> So, yeah, Patton Oswalt had a bit a million years ago about this when he was talking about writing for Mad TV. Actually, it was this exact same conversation that you're talking about where uh, his example was that uh, he wrote some skit and he used the word moron and the censors were like, you can't say that. It, it's like offensive to like people who have low. Yeah, that, well, that's the punchline of the joke. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like, who are we upsetting? Morons. Uh, but uh that, like literally, that was one of the notes or whatever for one of his yeah. skits I mean, it, for it, Mad TV. It was a medical. It was a medical diagnosis for many, many years. Moron. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. It. it and I I'm talking like, probably I, like eighteen. I know, 90s, like imbecile uh, around the turn is, of the century. Like I didn't know. Same moron idea. Was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the same idea, and eventually, like the British are always better at at making something sound cheerful when they they're really trying to be rude or negative or something like that. They, they had this designation, uh, like your son is dull, normal. Wow. So just, just dull, normal, you know? And that was kind of a, a Forrest Gump level of, uh, uh, how the IQ test came in. So, you know, not in serious trouble, but, uh, you know, not outwardly 180 yeah. IQ either. <clears throat> yeah. They um, always came, come up yeah, with I, fancy I names. If, like it, well, Americans came that, up with dumbass. like the Brits didn't come up with like, you know, <laughs> I feel like everybody's kind of like that now. Everybody, nobody is an idiot. Uh, nobody's an asshole. They're like a sociopath. <laughs> you know, every, everybody's got like a wants to diagnose people. Um, but it's like, maybe oh, you have to maybe attribute that, some personality or or mental. Uh, yeah, issue yeah. It's like nobody's just a, using just a some dummy sort of anymore. <laughs> they're they're pejorative or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that just makes comedy break out hard. the DSM five and. <laughs> go through <laughs> to insult yeah, people when they said oh that would that could be offensive in in that sense i'm, I'm like okay who's the, googling who the oldest living person is because there's one person who who's like 117 years old who was diagnosed uh, 100 <laughs> years ago with something and they're still burned up the 117 year old moron <laughs> <laughs> the, the, last, the, the last of the morons by james fenimore cooper <laughs> oh god oh my god um but that gives I just, you yeah i decided to how that crap works one year at the webbies um i was doing like a live performance of one of our songs and it was it was this song called eat it don't tweet it it was it was like right when when people uh started like it was a big deal that people were taking pictures of their food you know oh yeah on instagram and stuff and so we just made a song about that um so i was gonna do it live and i, I had a line in the song it was like 
I love soup. Don't call me a Nazi. Something, something, something. Um, and it was kind of like a, it was sort of done in like a pet shop boys kind of style. Like, oh, I love soup. Don't call me a Nazi. I'm more, I'm more like, the, <laughs> I'm more like a culinary paparazzi was the line. But um, there was, a, we were running through it and they said, can you take that Nazi line out? And I was like, it's not really any, you know. And they said, well, there's a guy, there's a Holocaust survivor that's going to be sitting in the front row. What? Oh. So I was like, oh, okay, well. Oh, my odds? God. <laughs> but just when you said the oldest <laughs> moron, it reminded me. This guy wasn't a moron, but. Uh, <laughs> but, but. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> our uh, Ben, our editor producer, his fingers are starting to sweat thinking of how he could edit the last few minutes of tape together. Oh, okay, to, to just Sorry. ruin you. <laughs> ruin you. Now, it, remi- it reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where where Jerry's talking about how he hates ponies, mm-hmm. and the grandma there is like, "I had the pony. I loved that pony." Do, do, am I the only one that remembers this? And he offends her terribly, and then she dies like that night. He's like, "Did you think it was the pony?" <laughs> I think it was in like season two of Seinfeld. It's the same exact scenario. Or yeah, there oh was a, there was a curb your enthusiasm where somebody was a Holocaust survivor, and then there was also right. a guy from the show Survivor, and there was some I don't know I can't remember how it was played out, but it was funny. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that guy had had a tattoo on his forearm, but it was <laughs> it wasn't that a Seinfeld thing where the guy. Uh, had the tattoo, but it was like the lottery numbers he won with or something. Oh my gosh. I don't think that, you I don't remember do that. That, that must've been curb. Yeah. That if sounds I'm, a little more, making, when it's a yeah. really, when it's much darker, it's a curb. Probably curb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I just hope it exists at all because if I, if I just, uh, you know, you just leaked your funniest right comedy yeah. bit that you ever came up with <laughs> and now it's going to be stolen. <laughs> Well, I brought up oh, the okay. fair use thing because I was just, I didn't know whether or not there was some story where you're like, Lars Ulrich showed up at the office one day and was extremely angry <laughs> about our Metallica parody and he threatened me with a drumstick. You know, I don't know if that story uh, was out there and I just didn't know it. I don't think so. <laughs> I think we, you know, yeah, I mean, that's the only one that that was the, actually, I think now that, now that you're, now that I'm remembering it, the, the, the don't stop believing it was like it was a um it was one of the videos that we did have to take down i think cuz it was uh it was the black eyed peas parody oh. and and i think we actually did like a sound alike it was like a fake it you know which i i prefer doing those things that are a little bit more it's like a genre parody or it's like it sounds like a song that they haven't written yet you know uh-huh those are more fun and challenging anyway but we had done that and the whole concept of it was that like um what's his name will i am was decided that there was some overcrowding in in the black eyed peas so each member had to come in and re-interview for their job so it was like what exactly do you do here in the black eyed peas <laughs> cuz there was like a couple guys that would just go yeah and like <laughs> yeah, yeah, um yeah. And so I think there was a part where they were like, no, but we write songs. We, we're songwriters like like you need a chorus. Here's one. Don't stop believing. Oh, it was it was don't stop believing because we're dancing on the ceiling. So it combined two things and they they mm. thought that that was songwriting. 
Um, when Steve Perry tries to take down this podcast now, since right. you've hummed it kind of, you know, yeah. Oh, and then, so now, it was only half that's, that's a when journey. we ask him to be on the show. It was only right. half, half the journey song. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it was like half a journey song and half a Lionel Richie song, but journey was still pissed about their half, you know, but didn't hear from Lionel Richie. No, but yeah, that was, was the one. He didn't. He was, didn't even say hello. That was the one that we took on. <laughs> no, I was no. gonna say he's too busy. I just want to unplug my microphone now. I, I was fine. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mind it. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to me. I'm I'm rusty here. I don't I don't you know I'm not so, as funny as I used to be. Was the was the break more about the burnout and being over it, or was there? Finance finances involved as well because it seemed like those music videos must have cost a fortune to make and that they would have a hard time recouping those costs. Well, yeah, and especially with the risks of you know now, like there's some of them I just they're just demonetized. I can't get them. You know, you go in there and you explain. You have to go in and explain uh, in YouTube in the back end, explain why it's fair use, why, and sometimes they'll reverse it, but. There's a lot of the biggest ones that are um, that I'm not making any money from, but oh there's there's still it takes a up, lot of time, but... even when your case is strong, to detail that follow exactly. it up. It, and it's, it it really is weirdly intensive, and the people who do commentary type videos or uh, film like movies, films uh, where they necessarily have to use samples to talk about uh, the thing that they're talking about. Oh, it's a almost a full time job to just deal with uh, those claims and strikes and figure right. out how to edit your video in such a way to minimize them. It's it's nightmarish, and I don't think a lot of people realize how how important that is to the process. Well, yeah, and and so so it did sort of become like that, you know, because the I was trying to veer away from song parody because of the risk and because you know they were so expensive, um, but you know, we couldn't really, we still kind of had to do some of it to keep our audience. Um, and so I just think, I just think I ended up having too much to do, <laughs> like, like to try to veer outside of it. Like to, like I was saying, when I was trying to do the animated thing, which turned out it, by the time it was done, I was just like, I was happy that it had a beginning, a middle and an end honestly mm-hmm. you know because my expectations Why? for it because it's just there was so many compromises i, I remember th- i was thinking like oh animation that's the way to go you know you don't have to deal with all this production and then animation just just provide you know just just has so many problems you know you have so many delays with that too so it's not yeah you can write uh you know reggae shark eats a mountain and then shits it out and you know you could write all that but somebody still has to to do that has to draw that and animate it and mm. they'll be like we don't have time for that can you come up with an alternate thing anyway no i was trying like i was getting these brand deals and trying to sort of you know make money to keep going while keeping the channel going it was just too much to do but um i think we sort of got we we started doing song parodies in a time when people weren't really we were sort of doing it under the radar and the only reason I started doing it is because I looked around and I was like, wow, people are, you know, I was already writing funny songs and the key of awesome kind of started without us doing any full on song parodies. Like we would do kind of like the sound alike. Um, and then I don't know, I think I saw somebody, I saw there was a bunch of parodies out that, that like had millions of views that and there was a couple people doing it. 
And I just thought I could make something so much funnier than this. You know, if all, if all I had to do is parody. So then I just tried one, which was the Kesha one. And that's the one that has, you know, over a hundred million hits. But, um, so kind of just like, once I kind of went down that road, it was like, well, we sort of have to keep doing this to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Um, but, but yeah, people weren't as litigious people, uh, record companies weren't hip to what was going on, I guess. And then after a few years, they just started claiming everything. So I had already sort of like established, this is our brand. This is what we do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how weird Al does it, but I guess he's, he's probably, he started in, I guess, a little bit more of a traditional space, you know, where he had like a record deal. He he always gets permission from the artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That part, like I've heard, I've I've read interviews with him about that. Yeah. Did he in the past? Yes. Oh, really? Like all the way back to the beginning he did? I believe so. Yeah. I, don't know I, I believe like, so. I don't know if Maybe like not. my Bologna or, or another one rides the bus, you know, got like when, you know, back when he was just like on his accordion, uh, the, the Dr. Demento, yeah, the Dr. Demento yeah. stuff. He probably yeah. didn't do it then, but I think once probably he had not. established himself, um, and had like a record deal and stuff, I don't know, but, um, but it was something that I kind of fell into. I think Weird Al has a little bit more of a passion for, for song parodies. And I, to to say, I mean, I I have I must have somewhat of a passion for it, but uh, to do that much of it, but I, it wasn't like the end all be all for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Did you feel trapped by it after a while? Oh yeah, for sure. Just because you want to, I mean, especially once you get to the point where you have employees and the right. success of the channel depends on how you know whether or not you can pay your people, and once it becomes once you're, you know, once I was at the point where I was actually running, running things, um, you know, then it was like, well, we have to, you know, we got to keep trying to get these, you know, multi-million hit videos coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Got to feed the monkey. But yeah. Because yeah, I'm watching the videos and I'm like, okay, prop department, uh, a place to store the props, oh my locations God. you got to shoot the song itself and the musician, you know, you're paying a director to shoot the thing. I'm like, this is adding up really quickly. Well, I directed, Uh, so I didn't have to do that. Uh, You know, one of the things, it's funny, um, I noticed like Weird Al would always just play the person that he's doing, you know, Mm -hmm. like some version of Michael Jackson or whatever. And I was always like, I don't want to do that, you know, especially if we're when we started doing like Justin Bieber and stuff, I didn't want to be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> old Bieber. Justin Bieber. Um, you know, at a certain point people, I'm, I'm waiting for the Mark Douglas as yeah. Billie Eilish people just, video. That's the one that oh, I need to see. That's the one <laughs> well, that got away. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's been a few, the, like I don't a bad guy parody. I love, <laughs> yeah. Like I love not knowing what's popular anymore music wise. Cause I just felt like I had to, listen to so much shit to keep up with current music <laughs> um and but every once in a while i'll be like oh we probably could have done a good like lizzo parody or or definitely billy eilish we, we could have done but but you know i have a thing with billy eilish where i like i don't want to i, I kind of wouldn't want to pick on her i feel like people pick on her and she's just a kid you know yeah it's it's so funny how nice you are and how that's kind of like a, a problem <laughs> for you. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's like a restrictive thing, a part, part of, of your personality where it's like you actually feel bad 
making fun of these people, which for a long time was your job. Right, right. Well, you know, it's like I grew up in a very like ball busty kind of family, very like Irish Catholic. It was almost like I grew up in a tough room, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm just kind of used to that. But I think now it's I feel like there's, there's less of a, a ball busty sort of culture uh, mm-hmm. in the world because um, everybody's, you know, really sensitive. And, you know, I don't I don't want to complain too much about it because I don't want to be the old like man, my day, you know, you could <laughs> rag on people. but. You kind of could. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's true. Uh, well, that was one of the things I wrote down was like, all right, how many videos has Mark privated in the last two years? Because mm. there's some joke in there that he's afraid somebody's uh, going to only one. Out. Only one. Really? Yeah. It was uh, it was for uh, a parody of the song called Pumped Up Kicks. And <clears throat> just we were just kind of fucking around with ideas for it. and. And this was a little edgy on the on the fair use side too, but it was like puffed up lips just kind of fit. And I was like, okay, well that a lot of women when women get like lip fillers and you know, and they just have this like duck face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just am always yeah, like, why? Like how? Days. How? <laughs> how much worse did like thin lips look <laughs> that you would put a fucking duck bill on your face? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he had so and then we were also saying like and then people when they get their eyes done everybody <laughs> ends up looking asian so we thought that we had this idea that there was an asian there was a doctor who was an asian duck who was giving everyone in hollywood plastic surgery and it was <laughs> just so we had this puppet this duck puppet and he kind of had a voice that was maybe a little offensive and <laughs> right it was right. it right. was kind of like it, it was similar to like the Kim Jong Un in uh, um, the South Park Team America. Team, yeah, it was kind of World a similar Police. voice, and I just you know there was just something about it that I couldn't really like uh, get behind anymore, and mm. uh, I just was like, I don't even want to deal with you know with this shit <laughs> with with having to yeah. defend it. You know, I didn't. It wasn't worth it to me to have to sort of defend it. Because um, and I it's 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 weird. It's like you everybody thought it was funny at the time and it was definitely on the edge of the line, you know, uh, maybe stepping over just slightly, but that's kind of what you want. But then the line is moved. So I wouldn't do that now. I wouldn't do that voice, you know, mm-hmm. um, at least, you know, not in public. <laughs> if you were making the same sorts of videos <clears throat> now, would you factor that into uh, the things you came up with, the things you wanted to release, not just is this funny? Does it pass all the tests that videos had to pass uh, for years? Mm-hmm. Uh, but would you think w- would there be a survivability test that you would apply? That's like, is this going to be a problem in 2025? What are the odds of that? Oh, I'm so glad I'm not doing it now because I just I I, th- I don't want to say it would be impossible, but it it kind of feels like it. And and towards the end, you know, I started kind of like I remember getting in a a, a sort of you know, pissing contest in the comment section with somebody about, um, you know, I, we did this Taylor Swift parody and I was, she had had like something happen where some guy like touched her butt and she ended up suing him or something for like a dollar. Like she ended up winning and then she just wanted to, she sued the guy, but it wasn't about the money. So she only really ordered him to pay a dollar because he had like touched her butt at some event. But she wanted to everybody to know that this guy was 
Yeah. A scumbag, right? Oh, I found okay. this. Uh, Taylor Swift wins $1 in groping case right. against DJ David <clears throat> Muller. It's crazy. So I had just said, as a as sort of a, a, a larger line in the song, it wasn't even the main punchline. It was just a funny thing. A thing to say on the way to the end of the punchline. It was like, "Don't touch my ass, or I'll sue your ass." And blah 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 blah. blah. It was kind of like a, 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 you know, just like a. I don't want to say clever line, but it was just a thing I threw in there. Mm-hmm. And and then and there was a bunch of people that were like, "Well, one person started it, and then the fucking lemmings uh, pot come in afterwards." <laughs> but it was like, "Oh, real funny. You're making fun of of sexual harassment. She was sexually or or." No, sexual assault. I was making fun of sexual assault. And I was just like, uh, and then what always, you know, would upset me is in, you know, the comment section would be like somebody with a bad take on your video. And then a lot of other people with the same shitty take, you know, would would start to get really disheartening. So I was like, all right, I'm going to pin an explanation of this. Like I didn't, I wasn't making light of that. It was just something that she did. I actually thought it was kind of cool that she did that. And uh, I just mentioned into the song, but I would never make fun of sexual assault. And I had this really like pretty well plotted. It took me a long time and it didn't do any good, really. People were like, yeah, fuck you. You're still. And and I'm just like, why am I doing this? Why? I didn't even want to make this fucking thing. <laughs> you know, I'm just doing right. it because it was a hit. And I think that was a moment where I was kind of like, I don't want to have to like defend myself for something as dumb as this for something that I'm not that passionate about anymore. You know what I mean? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, we had a whole episode, uh, last week's episode, discussing William Osmond's video um, titled I'm Done, where he, it's, it's about negative comments and it's about kind yeah. of like the effects that they have on you and one of the things that I thought in response to that is, and I don't think that he he doesn't get it. He doesn't mention this, but this is something that I thought. And it's exactly what you just illustrated, where it's not that you can't handle the negative comments. You can. But it's like when the negative comment is this like putrid turd covered cherry on top of this like garbage sundae, 
Yeah. It just is the straw that breaks the camel's back. When and then like, when other people agree with it, that's the part that was really disheartening to me. And it's this string of like poop yeah. cherries just on your turd Sunday. And that's that's when it to, to me and, and this this, you know, I'm not speaking for William. I don't know. This is just for me. It's a scenario in which I thought about, which is very real, where it's like the bad comment is is not necessarily the beginning and the end of the problem. It just ends up being like the little tiny pin drop straw that snaps that camel's back that sends you over it's, the edge. Yeah. And now you're like you're <clears throat> yeah. like really upset because you were like teetering on the mm-hmm. edge of like exhaustion and frustration and all these other things. Right. And then somebody's like, how could you do this? And you're like, ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, that that it's not like I was really... That that Taylor Swift example is just one example that I could think of, you know, but there was other things kind of like that where, you know, I, the thing that I didn't like about YouTube and, you know, it was it was great. It's great to be in touch with your fans, but you're also in touch with the fucking scum of the earth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just got sick of those people. Um, yeah. But, yeah, basically, you know, I it's never like, was surprised like, oh. that Trump won. You know, I don't think any YouTuber probably was surprised that trump won because you know what's out there you know that there's large groups of assholes like that are really dumb well i I was just gonna say it's it's essentially like you are already exhausted you put so much work into this it's it's not even really what you want to do and then on top of it someone calls you a says you're a bad person right it's like all right this is not worth it at all because i was already feeling like this process wasn't worth it and now I'm being <laughs> called a bad person on yeah, top yeah. of it. Like this, this really blows. Yeah. That's Have you considered just not being a bad person? Well, that's the real <laughs> question. And why I wanted you to, no, have, to no, be on this really. podcast, Mark, is well, like, no, was, have you considered not being a bad person? I was listening to a little bit of you guys talking about Norm MacDonald and people just not understanding what a comedian is anymore. Oh, right. And it's, it's true. I think like, I mean, do do I uh, do we even want to talk about Chappelle should I should I even touch that but um you know he he him for instance like I don't agree with everything he says you know what I mean there's things that he says where I'm like eh, I'm gonna kind of wait for the next funniest shit thing that he says you know what I mean and I have no problem <laughs> with that but but like at, at a certain point when you see something that's a joke in print as if it's like a manifesto or something or or you know, like a like he said it like he was like Hitler or something in the in a rally, but it was like it was a fucking joke. It was a joke that you didn't think was funny, but it was still meant to be a joke for Christ's sakes. And uh, just sort of holding people, I don't know. I think I think whatever like cancel culture and everything is is you know people like Harvey Weinstein. I'm I'm glad you know that people are you know getting yeah, he's a cre- he's a criminal he wasn't yeah. canceled he was arrested like, that's that, true. there's right. a distinction that, that, that has to be drawn but, there when people sure. bring him that up as an like, opinion issue <laughs> but i'm just saying that what the good side of you know quote unquote can't cancel culture i would say kind of probably led to us being rid of of him you know maybe um so th- there's a good side of it but but there's people that like like when you go on TikTok or something and it'll be there's a, a handful of people will be like celebrities that you didn't know were pieces of shit, you know, and 
I end up watching those, but I don't have any respect for the person making that content, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, it's a it's a weird thing where it's just like, I don't know. People yeah. people have yeah. such a fucking hard on for for calling people out now that they make entire brands out of it. And I just I think that's kind of like bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean People are just professionally smashing their glass houses. They're just throwing stones right. <laughs> constantly. Well, yeah, like I saw something where like the woman that that um, that organized the walkout at Netflix had all these racist tweets mm. from years ago. It's like, I don't know how anybody thinks that they're beyond reproach anymore or that they're going to like, how do people publicly like, uh, I don't know, admonish other people when the Internet is I don't know. I mean, like, there's so many things on the channel that if somebody really wanted to, like, cancel me at some point, uh, if I hadn't already canceled myself, but, um, they probably could have done it. You know what I mean? Like the 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 video I was just describing. You know, people that was that was Exhibit A that I'm racist for some people already, which is why I was like, I'm not going to get in an argument about this. I'm just taking it down, and um, you know. I think Jim Jeffries had a bit about it where it was like, you know, basically exactly what I was saying before it was like the line was here and the comedian's job is to go up to the line, maybe cross it, but sort of dance on it. But now the line's here and you're making you're calling him out for something he did years ago when the line was here. And that, I think, is bullshit. Right. So. So, yeah, it, yeah. it would definitely be a lot harder to do it in this uh, environment. And, you know, to a certain Aside from being burnt out, there there was a little bit of a when when some of that shit was starting to happen, uh, where you know people are accusing me of things. There there was a little bit of a feeling of like I'm taking my toys and going home. You know, this isn't fun anymore. Right. Kind of and uh, but you know I needed the break. What are you gonna do? <laughs> That's perfectly fair though to just stop when you want to stop yeah. and. Uh, that I just couldn't never see I couldn't uh, see an end to it you know I was like what what is uh, going to end this other than me just saying I'm done I mean there could be other like sort of disastrous things that could happen but why wait around for those um Kevin you've probably you you must have thought along these lines at some point it's like hey at a certain point I will turn the camera off for the last time and <laughs> I'm not going to make any more videos. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but Mark is totally right about like the, when is this going to stop <laughs> kind of feeling <laughs> yeah, is yeah. weird because it is that, that treadmill. And I've, you know, ref, uh, referred to it as a treadmill plenty of times because my God, does it feel like that? It feels like you're on this hamster wheel mm -hmm. just chasing, you know, the, the algorithm carrot at the end of the stick and you're right. It's like, okay, either I get off the hamster wheel or I stay on. It's almost this sort of binary decision. Have you thought at all about um, doing something where you do upload every now and then just because you feel like it? Or is it just like, I, this is yeah. out of my system completely? I think like the, I feel like I could probably, I, I, it wouldn't be enough to probably I don't know. I, I think like making one big video a month would be cool, maybe. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if that would be enough. You know what I mean? Like comedy, you need a little bit more juice. Um, I, d I don't think that would be enough to like sort of bring back the audience either, you know. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I, my hope is that like when I finally get done with some of these songs, my, my Chinese democracy <laughs> uh, album that I can 
you know, start doing that and kind of just have it have it be all evergreen stuff for one. That that is definitely the idea for these other things because you know most comedy like ages has like a shelf life of like yogurt you know <laughs> so <laughs> so when you get something that you feel like might be funny for a few years it's like oh god so i definitely would focus on that more now and um but yeah it's, it's funny for the longest time all i wanted to do is sketch comedy like sketch comedy funny songs but i feel like funny songs definitely falls under the umbrella of sketch comedy for me i just mm-hmm. i thought of them as sketches that rhymed you know <laughs> yeah um and for the longest time that's all i wanted to do and then you know once i kind of got free reign to do that uh you know i i went at it pretty hard and and it's kind of weird to be on the other side of not wanting to make a million sketches you know mm-hmm. so i'm like what what do i, what do I want to do now so yeah I think that's a healthy place to be, though, in a, in a lot of respects, because I, I think about this a lot with, I guess, with YouTubers in general. I mean, that's the focus of this podcast. That's mostly where I spend my time. But um, of just like getting things out of your system, you know, mm-hmm. I, that seems to me like a healthy thing and not there's this trope, you know, where you see these aged rock stars still trying to squeeze into like their leather pants mm-hmm. <laughs> and per- perform for uh you know, the, the New York state County fair, right. they're hit from, you know, oh. cherry pie, you know, let's play cherry pie again. Warrant. Let's just, that that's, that's the go-to song here on the create unknown. Um, like that. Come on, I thought we'd peaked with offensive comments earlier. <laughs> oh my God. We did. One it's of like, the... you don't want to be that though, Mark, you don't want to be squeezing into your leather pants at 65 and still like teasing Unless your you hair out, to. right? Unless you really right. well, want to and you love to, and yeah. that's fine no, too. I but. did. I definitely got tired of like I. I used to just love playing dress up, like that part of it. You know, I was like this. Like a lot of times when we'd be shooting stuff, I was like, this is all just an excuse to play dress up. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and at one Which point I was like, well. I own more wigs than nine drag queens. Like just from all the videos <laughs> that we fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> and um and then after a while you sort of was like eh I don't know if I want to play dress up anymore <laughs> like you just kind of get tired of it but then then if you're not going to be in your videos that's another actor you got to hire and you know that was the other thing too like when we had sort of backing um I paid every actor that came in and out you know a lot because I could you know as I know what it's like mm-hmm. to be out there doing shitty acting work for no money so it was kind of like then then once it was like okay now the now it's i own the thing completely you know it was kind of hard to be like uh, can you do it for free now but right <laughs> but you know that's yeah. that's 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 another part of the quality you know that's another thing like when a video or a movie or anything is bad it's it starts to be like well what did you skimp on you know like we always had really good actors in our videos so um, and I was proud of that, but you know, you do kind of have to pay them if you're going to, especially if you're going to like need them for a couple of days, uh, you want to mm-hmm. pay them just enough to, to make it worth their while. So it was a bummer to like not have that as much, uh, you know, once I was kind of like running things myself, but, uh, I just, I just got a DM that somebody didn't want to put in the episode chat. They said, ask him what he did with the wigs. Do you still have all the wigs? We had like a massive uh, 
like kind of yard sale almost like we got rid of i mean i feel kind of bad now we got rid of like about eight you know how like 10 years worth of props and shit um you know i still have some some things that like mean something to me but it was just so much shit that i just was like i have to i gotta get rid of it i just i was ready to just dump it all in the hudson river (laughs) like you know just because i was so done with it but but like Every once in a while, I'll be like, I'll think of like a jacket or something that that I need or, or you know, Halloween rolls around and I like, you know, think about, oh, yeah, I have. Oh, no, I don't have any of that shit <laughs> like for, you know, pretty much since I started at, at Barely, I never bought a Halloween costume like I could just go into our costume to all the costumes we had and and throw together a Halloween costume. And like there was a couple of years where I like one contests at the parties that i was going to because we had such good costumes to just grab like oh, that seems unfair. i know and now <laughs> and now we don't have now we don't have any of it so like if there's somebody who spent seven hours on their makeup to be the joker that's listening to this like seething because they got second place <laughs> to your costume that's right yeah what well, i was um, i went as like a cal drogo one year and uh it was all based on shit that we just had like like oh we got a fur thing here and we got you know but um well i i have two things real quick one uh jake roper from vsauce 3 fame just dropped by to say oh, that he loves hey. you mark so i haven't I talked to him in a to while get, get that out there the second thing is I, I really wanted to put a pin a little bit on my rant about leather leather pants uh-huh first of all <laughs> Okay, if if the Rolling Stones still want to perform, then God bless them. They they should. Uh, however, uh, conversely, I think there's also kind of like a beauty and a grace in something that I'll reference a Vsauce two video. Uh, there's uh, there was this man Edmund Gettier who came up with this thing called the Gettier problem about whether or not you can actually know something. You, you you'll just have to watch the video. It's called "You Don't Know Time." If anybody wants to look it up. Okay. But I don't he, remember much about that. Okay, so this will be this will be new to you, uh, even though you yeah, I, re- I, researched it. So <laughs> I'll remind you of what you found. <laughs> I'm no, sitting I'm here feeling bad that I hadn't seen it, it, and you're like, I worked on it. I don't even it remember. Was like, no, I wrote it. And I don't know what Kevin's talking about. So, uh, so Edmund Gettier came up with this like paradigm shifting, amazing way of redefining what it is to know something philosophically and then afterwards never wrote anything again he never wrote another paper he never wrote like an article he never wrote like a poem on a napkin he never wrote anything Uh -uh. again after this like groundbreaking thing he wrote and when asked by the way i I have to point out (laughs) that it's not it wasn't a 900 page manifesto that explained everything it was like a three-page article in a journal that (laughs) <laughs> that brought forth something new. It was this tiny little like, thing as far as academic research goes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like you wrote joke. on the back of an envelope. <laughs> that's the joke, is the ultimate mic drop because because he he he's asked afterwards, like, hey, why don't you write something else? And his quote is something along the lines of, I have nothing more to say. <laughs> and, and I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like yeah. there's like a beauty and a grace to that to to completely shake the world. And then just say, okay, yeah, and walk away and I'm done. Like that's pretty cool, yeah. I think. The only thing that I I do feel a little lame about this is that like um 
you know, I went to acting school and was kind of like, it was pretty tough. I was, you know, I kind of went in with no experience and there was all these like kind of superstars there that, you know, there's always like the few people that everyone's like, oh, he's going to make it, you know, and made it somebody make it uh, pretty much me. (laughs) But you made it. (laughs) No, Um, but I would run into those like I would run into those people from time to time and they'd be like, I'm not acting anymore. And I was and I would, you know, still plugging away at, you know, comedy or whatever. And I always felt kind of proud of myself was like, it's not necessarily about how talented you are right out of the gate. It's about how much you want to do it and how long you you're willing to stick it out, you know? So I, I, that's the only thing I sort of feel like I just saying, I really admire the fact that you're still going, you know, you guys are still, you know, you haven't quit still, <laughs> still squeezing on those leather pants well, no, in yeah, 2021 exactly. I mean, on Vsauce too. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. But they still, Hey, but Kevin, they still fit hard. You know, to to avoid that by by changing things up if changing you my on, pants yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> if you were if you were on episode 551 of mind blow uh, we'd be having a different conversation yeah um i know phil defranco has talked about this pretty openly that uh it's it's been somewhat of a grind at times uh just having to do that same type of thing well phil's kind of locked into a certain type of content and uh, and and you've reinvented to a, a middle ground that satisfies the the current audience and hits a little little bit of a new one. Um, and that's it's hard to uh, accept that you have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to I mean we know how long it takes to find that thing that you still feel good about doing. That okay if it's a solution that you absolutely hate doing, it's not much of a solution. It's not going to last. Yeah. So getting to that perfect balance is is really not easy to do and if you can even come up with an idea that satisfies in the first place you know so people definitely struggle with that that other people like <laughs> that's right. like right the hurdle right. number one but yeah just for me i don't like the idea of being in like a creative groundhog's day yeah where it's like all right here we go time to churn out you know time to time to make the donuts but then, uh, then all you got to do is think about the fact that somebody has to actually make donuts for a living. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> somebody loves that's to make donuts. That's why Dunkin' Donuts got rid of donuts. It's just Dunkin'. Now it's just oh, making the true. coffee. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> nobody I'm just eats saying, donuts you know, anymore, Mark. <laughs> you know, some people really are on a hamster wheel, literally. Yeah, and they're offended yeah. by your comments, by your comparisons <laughs> to what you're doing. Well, like, you don't know what it's like to life. actually be on this hamster wheel. So whatever. Everybody <laughs> has their own personal hell with that kind of thing, I think. For sure. Um, but it's, you know, that that hamster wheel aspect. I mean, I, I think of it like any machine where parts just wear out. Yeah. And that, you know, we almost never see this anymore because things stop working before they actually wear out. You know, yeah. like uh, it's not like a, a tractor that was made in the 40s that uh, they were touting it as, you know, this is going to be your grandson's tractor and things like metal parts just get friction and wear out along the way. Um, it, but because I was thinking how burnout just isn't everybody talks about burnout constantly. And I'm like, this is not everybody. There's something there's a, a repetition fatigue that is more about wearing out specific parts than uh, than this big umbrella of burnout 
right. covers. You know, they're, they're two different things. And I, I've never been able to express that, come up with a word or phrase where it differentiates that little bit of fatigue. But uh, it happens for so many people. We, we just talked about it happening uh, for William Osmond for different reasons. Uh, but so you think they just need you know, to replace those parts and there wouldn't be burnout potentially? I think it's possible sometimes. Mm. I think it's possible sometimes. And, and Mark, I was going to ask you about this. Is there something that you could have shifted maybe, let's say 2017, something like that, where uh, I don't know what it could be, but it's, it's like you're doing less songwriting. Let's say there's somebody as capable as you to do it and you're overseeing more of a general creative <clears throat> or maybe you like production yeah. and you want to nail that production part but not do the others. Is there anything shift like that that, that would have... Uh, if not solve problems, made them a bit more bearable. Well, that was what I was attempting to do. Um, but I found that I I was just having a hard time like scaling what I did. You know, like like mm. like uh, I just mm. could never I could never find like somebody I could find people who could write and maybe get it to about fifty percent of what I wanted it to be. You know, but then I'd always have to sort of take over and and you know. I still ended up having to do a lot of work. And and we also, you know, we were trying to do smaller videos where it was, we were calling it the key of unplug, uh, where it was just acoustic, couple acoustic instruments and we parody the song and then have like a little, uh, little screenshots from parts of the, the actual video that we were referencing. And um, those did okay. But one day I was just like watching a couple of them in a row. And I just thought about like, as a fan, I'd be disappointed in this if I wanted a full video like what I used to do. And then all I got was this. I was I, I feel like I would be disappointed in that. And mm -hmm. and I started thinking, are we just going to keep getting smaller and smaller? Um, and if so, I'd rather just stop and come back smaller than have it. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But I yeah, I never really figured out how to how to kind of uh, get somebody to do what I did <laughs> so I could. <laughs> be so i could figure out yeah. business <laughs> scaling the artistic side yeah is, i could just never <laughs> it's a nightmare it's, it's i could just never figure it out and uh and you know there was really talented people that i worked with and i don't know i think you probably when when somebody tries to do that i don't think i think all you can hope for is maybe 60 percent that they'll maybe get like 60 percent of it there because they're just not you and they're not going to have the same, like, I don't know, standards, I guess. Or they've got their own life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to work themselves to the bones yeah. until the marrow drips out of their toes and they have to collapse. Yeah, yeah. They're empty bones. Um, empty bones. Right. Douglas. So I think, you know, that was sort of, it sort of took, that That was why, you know, when when it was the idea of trying to get outside brand deals and, and things it was like oh my god like i'm having a hard enough time just doing this you know um mm -hmm. and i guess i what i should have done was not be afraid to let the you know a few weeks go by without a video um that's that's probably where i screwed up a little bit because i just you know i felt like i just wanted to keep the content flow what it had been uh while trying to pursue these other things that i wanted to do and it just was i just didn't have enough bandwidth yeah, you can't you can't do everything. I mean, that's something Matt and I talk about all the time, actually, with the amount of projects that we have. And we'd love to put 100 percent of our our effort and, and 
<clears throat> thought into them and it's like but you don't want to neglect don't have, you don't want to i don't have 400 percent. Right. i have 100 percent. <laughs> and i just i just had a hard <laughs> yeah. time neglecting the thing that got me there uh uh-huh. you know neglecting the platform that i had built that was the whole reason anybody knew who the fuck i was and i mean you know i i'm i'm older than you know most youtubers uh and you know, just the fact that I had people that gave a fuck what I was going to write next week was a huge thing for me. I mean, that took me a lot of people years to, to <laughs> yeah. get to that point, you know, millions and to sort of be like, I'm going to go work on this other thing. Fuck the channel for now was was really hard for me to to do. And I just could never really I was never comfortable with it. Um, But too nice. I probably should. have. Yeah. <laughs> Again, too nice. Too nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh- well, I know that we have questions from our patrons that that they have been dying to uh, for us oh. to ask you. Okay. So, Matt, if you want to um, pull those up and fire some off. Yeah, we have a few here. Um, trying to think of how to order these best. Conrad asked about the shift in content that we've talked about on the podcast many, many times about how all of a sudden we've got TikTok. We have YouTube shorts, little bites of uh, 60 seconds as opposed to making some epic uh, production on YouTube. Has that changed your thinking at all? Is that appealing at all to think, well, Hey, maybe I could, I could do some quick stuff on TikTok. No, the idea that like definitely taking it back to, um, to sort of, I don't know what I, what I used to call like little rascals level production, you know, just kind of slap together stuff. I definitely see the appeal of that, you know, just, just kind of like, cause comedy works when it's cheap a lot of times you know like we when we mm-hmm. started off our videos were a little you know janky um and then you know just sort of to be competitive uh and we had a little bit of a budget to play around with and you know we're around the time that there started to be these mcus uh that were you know throwing money at content a lot of people's content started to look really good and really s- sleek and so we were just like well let's make our our stuff look better you know and let's find let's use this experience to figure out how to actually film stuff in a professional way um but uh ultimately probably should have just stayed with the janky version because that's a lot more doable and sustainable and and it's Mm -hmm. funnier in a way in a way when shit falls apart you know when stuff is kind of slapped together or can be funnier you know yeah yeah conrad points out that parodies and reposting songs is a significant percentage <laughs> of TikTok at this point in time. And right. it's, it's interesting to see uh, uh, something that uh, that you were doing a while back and not everybody, not very many people could even attempt that. And now it's like expected if you're 15 with a TikTok account. Mm-hmm. Well, and every time there's a new, not that TikTok is new, new, but every time there's a new platform, I'll see some kind of song parody situation. And I just think, well, people just haven't caught up to that yet. People are... Sc- Pretty soon, these people that are doing this are going to start getting their shit taken down. They're going to start getting sued. You know, that's that's <laughs> the same thing that happened with YouTube. It took a while for for the music industry to sort of go, oh, wait, here's we could probably be getting some money over here. So every time I see that on, you know, TikTok or wherever, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before this is all going to come crashing down for you. <laughs> <laughs> or or going to be a real pain in the ass to continue. Yeah, it happened on Twitch. Yeah. With the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, base weight, who uh, anybody who listens to the show with any frequency uh, knows that the theme song that we use is is one that uh, base weight made called Created in the Unknown. It's amazing. It's right at the, the top mm-hmm. of every episode with uh, the intro. Base weight wanted to ask you about music and how how you push through or get over a creative slump in music. Uh, usually uh, that's a th- I'm kind of in one right now, so I'd, I'd actually like somebody else to <laughs> answer this question for me. <laughs> but but Jen, has that happened before? I mean, have you had periods where where you were just th- uh, in the doldrums uh, with output? I think it comes down to um, you know a lot of it would come down to to those deadlines, you know. So even if you don't, even if it's not the pressure of like I have to finish this song so that I can put it out for the world to hear on Friday. Um, some kind of uh, imposing some sort of deadline. Like if you have a, a trusted, you know, friend whose opinion you respect a fellow musician, or in my case, I have, you know, a few, a few people that I started with in comedy, like Brian Olson, who worked for the channel for a while. You, you, you know him and he's, we're sort of each other's like, uh, what, I don't know, person that we talk to and we're like, batting something around like is this funny is this worth it and i and you know you can i have people like that for music too it's like if i have something that's in kind of a demo situation i'll send it and be like hey does this sound like it's ripping off somebody else or what do you think of this um and you know i think i think kind of like letting somebody somebody else hearing it and having the deadline like i'm gonna show this to joe on friday and joe's gonna get mad if i don't um you know, because sometimes creativity, especially in comedy, um, and I imagine so with music too, doing too much of it by yourself is kind of like trying to play catch with yourself. You need to get somebody else in there to throw the ball around with, I think. Yeah, I like that analogy a lot. I've never heard that before. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Give me one second to get there. We go. Yeah. So this is uh, from Gusau, and this is uh, just such a good one to uh, end the questions on. Uh, what's something in the past week? So today is Wednesday. It is TCU night. You've got from, I guess, last Thursday to all day today. What's one thing in that time period that made you laugh? Last Thursday to today. Um, well, I was talking to my friend Brian, who I just mentioned, we were working on something and we were kind of, uh, we were kind of working on like a kid's show idea, but like, I just thought the idea of like, a character of a kid who is like, you know, you know, sometimes they'll have like, like, I'm a kid reporter, you know, it'll be like a fun sort of uh, just, I don't know. Sometimes they'll have those on TV, like kid mm-hmm. reporters. And it's always kind of cute and stuff. But the idea of like, what if there was one of those kind of kids who just was like, I'm just doing fluff. Uh, you know, I need to do something serious. <laughs> and he just becomes like an alcoholic <laughs> and has a real crisis of, of conscience. <laughs> um, you know, almost like a, did you ever see Network? The guy's like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take yeah. it anymore. Like yeah. a kid who, uh, who is, you know, like whatever, Fed nine up. or something. And he's just like, this is just fluff. <laughs> um, I just thought that was a funny idea for a character. And we kind of laughed about that for a while. But uh, I, I'm sure I laughed at a bunch of cats more than that, though, <laughs> on the Internet. Well, I like I like this fed up child news anchor. Yeah. Character. What am I even? Yeah, yeah. Like, what am I even doing? Kind of uh, <laughs> character. 
just reassessing everything <laughs> mm-hmm. at nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody balding from stress in the fourth grade uh, because of their their news. I, I yeah, that that's just funny to me. Yeah, because it, it kind of reminded me of one time we were talking about kid. There was kid president. And then we were like, "Where, oh, where's right. kid vice president? <laughs> like, his kid vice president is just like, uh. <laughs> Tired of kid president. Is the, the kid-, kid secretary of defense would be amazing. <laughs> getting, getting, yeah, the, I, the fourth grade to solve like international problems. I really think that they didn't do enough with that kid president thing. I want the whole, ca- I want the whole kid cabinet. I don't know. He's probably not a kid anymore. Because he can't be, yeah, he can't be young anymore. Well, so he's. 17 uh yeah yeah probably uh, gonna go into yeah, politics looks like he hasn't done a tremendous amount in the last oh he did a ted talk in 2018 oh my god that's what wikipedia has a link to but it's it's a dead one but uh yeah yeah so he pulled uh, some additional stuff out of that in the last couple of years good. good for him that's right that's right well <laughs> uh mark Look, man, I think that I will follow up with this violent threat about this okay. album. So um, <laughs> first I'll have to get a knife. I, I don't really have, I mean, I have like butter knives, but that seems like Ugh. it would just be like cruel <laughs> to worse. even try would... to like puncture you with a, br- a br- That heightens the threat. It, it does. does, I guess. It would be a, a lot. Knife. Wouldn't be, <laughs> it wouldn't be a clean entry into, <laughs> into the, into your side. The, Alan Rickman in the, Robin Hood movies like I'm going to eat his heart oh. with a dull spoon or cut out his heart with a dull spoon. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and the guy's That's like, why, why, why dull? Because it would hurt more, you idiot. Anyway, sorry. I'm <laughs> as the sheriff of TCU land. It is my job <laughs> to <laughs> to hold you accountable uh, because you know we're big fans. Oh, thanks. And man. Uh, look look forward to your this this. This Chinese democracy project yep, that you've yep. been working on. It sounds like a good one. I'm looking forward to hearing it. So uh, the pressure has been applied. It's on SD card now. All right. I got so I to go. I got work to it. do. No. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Look, uh, Mark, thanks so much. If anybody wants to take a, stri- uh, a strip, a strip or a trip down memory lane, uh, check out barely political and uh laugh for the next. I don't know. Actually, you, we you ended have... up changing it to the key of awesome, by the way. <laughs> Oh, officially, yeah, yeah. it's like the key of awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, go to the key of awesome and uh, just spend the next f- six months of your life watching all of those videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, happy Mark, to, thanks happy so much to for, distract. for joining. Thanks for having great me. great to have you. A long time coming. And uh, again, look forward to your future projects. Me too. On your break. All right. Awesome, man. We're out of here. We'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and congratulations to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every single month. A tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus, our newest. Trevsdead, Boromir, Boddogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, Monahim, Dojangles, and Zero. And thanks to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mafasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria Marco, Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer Dan Yosua and producer-editor Ben Webster. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.